Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Fred Schonenberg. He's the CEO of Venture Fuel. They build innovation programs for large companies. Fred, thanks for joining the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. Some of Venture Fuel's clients include CBS, Chanel, Chevrolet, and that's just the C section of the client list. Fred, how do you describe the company? What does Venture Fuel do for people who aren't familiar with the company? Yeah, so so we help the large corporations, people that, that you mentioned, uh, as well as you know, several household names on the brand side. We help them sor- solve their corporate challenges, uh, and we do that through partnerships with startups, uh, emerging technologies. Really, what we're always looking for is inventive solutions that will will help those corporations, uh, especially in times of disruption or chaos, kind of find what's next. Yeah, just a little bit of chaos going on in the world right now. Just a bit, just a bit. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. VentureFuel is positioned to help brands navigate these weird times as best as anyone can navigate and so we're going to be talking about how esports and gaming is becoming a possible refuge for all the brands that are completely hair on fire in the sports world or in you know various other industries, be it hospitality, travel, what have you. So first of all, starting a little bit broad, what is the esports opportunity right here? Keeping a caveat, of course, to all our listeners that we know that the brand and business side is not as important as the human impact of COVID-19, but this is an esports podcast. We're going to be talking about a lot of business impacts here, uh, but just making sure that we're very clear, the human aspect, more important than the business aspect during these times. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, what's interesting is I think the human impact or uh, what the human part of esports is what the opportunity is. Um, and and, and I, what I mean by that is esports and gaming in general um, has been a way for people to connect and engage with each other while they play. Um, certainly at the beginning of gaming, right, it was a very isolated experience. You'd play by yourself or maybe with one other person. Uh, but as things like Twitch uh, have evolved and this opportunity to play with friends or even people you you don't know all across the world and have conversations with them and chat with them and get to know them uh, through these gaming platforms, that that dynamic connection piece is is actually the biggest opportunity. Uh, certainly, there is the the sponsorship side of things, uh, which at the end of the day comes down to eyeballs. Uh, how many people can you reach? Uh, that's sort of the the sponsorship marketing side. Uh, they want to see is if you know if your your game or your league delivers X millions of people, you're going to get a lot of of funding. Because uh, they want to get their brand message in front of them, but the the real opportunity is the fact that gamers connect with each other while they're playing games. They chat, they talk, they talk about all sorts of things, uh, and they're very hard to reach in any other way. Uh, so that's that's the sort of like macroeconomic opportunity. If they they can deliver brands the ability to connect with consumers um, in these these authentic ways, that's that's really the holy grail. Yeah, the authenticity is crucial, and it's why I think many brands haven't entered esports or the gaming world as they're a little bit nervous about trying to connect with that audience. Now, the benefits, to your point, are massive. 
they're wide reaching and if you can be ingrained in that audience they love you but it can be tough for a brand to break in there that's sort of what your company does right so what adva- what advice do you give to brands who really want to break into the gaming audience i i i think that you can't just serve an ad um that is just your generic spot and and think that people will find it cool gamers in particular are uh very good at spotting uh, BS. As, uh, I'm not sure if we're allowed to swear on this or not, uh, but go you guys ahead. have to put that together. Uh, go ahead. Good. Great. This will go much better then. Uh, <laughs> right? Like gamers know. Gamers like instantly know this is bullshit. Um, and they, they're they not going to, they're actually going to probably make fun of the brand uh, that does that, uh, which is why I think you see Pepsi uh, coming in with uh, like their their game fuel uh, beverage, which is custom designed just for gamers. Uh, you know, whether that's the best drink or not the best drink, uh, they're thinking very much about that community and creating for that community. And I think that, uh, gamers will like that just in the way that, uh, you know, X games, if you go back to some of the more extreme sports, right? Like there's, there's a no bullshit factor, uh, with those athletes, uh, and the brands that come in have to be able to walk walk the walk, right? They have to be able to be gamers themselves or be run by gamers and understand the culture. Um, but this, this isn't new to advertisers, right? You can't put a, a random spot in a baseball game. It works much better if the spot has something to do with baseball or talks to baseball fans, same with the NFL. Um, so I, I think advertisers get this, uh, whether they execute on it is another question. Yeah, it's been pretty impressive i feel like most of the brands coming into esports and gaming have actually done it well there were some previous examples you know four or five years ago of campaigns that definitely felt a bit flat but lately you know mastercard was really well received in league of legends louis vuitton as well in league of legends well received dhl i had somebody from esl come on and talk about how the fans at an esl event were chanting dhl during an event which is just an amazing moment if you're a marketer like that's the kind of interaction with an audience that you just dream of having but would never expect to be a delivery brand and have dhl dhl amazing it's the dream and so it's been interesting seeing a lot of companies actually be really well received in into gaming and i think that's to your point again the uh expanding education about this more gamers in positions in these companies who understand hey this is what we need to do and it'll be crazy successful but now as we have so many brands who are sort of at a loss from the sports world what are some of the differences in connecting with the sports audience you mentioned how hey if you're in a baseball game a baseball ad does better same with football that's true for gaming as well but what are some of the differences in connecting with that sports audience and connecting with the esports audience it's a great question. I, I think the opportunity is different in that it's not, uh, you know, linear TV is the sort of like the main way you connect with sports fans for the most part. Uh, certainly there's radio and there's at a home in the stadium, there's different things. Uh, and eSports has elements of all that. But the, the real opportunity is to get integrated into the experience, uh, into the, the broadcast, uh, I think esports, because of 
where it came from and its roots and who plays it is like a little more savvy uh, and open to doing cool new things. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, that's a, a blank palette for an advertiser to come in with a smart idea that adds to the experience. Um, whereas in, in traditional sports, there's a lot of legacy processes and a lot of ways that, uh, you know, you can't try new things quite as easily. Um, so I think, you know, it's different in that it's not as rigid or as traditional um, and that there are more opportunities to do cool and, and actual meaningful campaigns. Those opportunities are really interesting to me. On the sports world, you just have the, hey, you can have a 30-second ad, you can have a minute-long ad. That's about it. But when you have the streaming platforms, there's so many unique activations, whether it's being in Twitch chat, it's an overlay, it's a unique video. The pre-rolls and the mid-rolls just feel like a very small part of streaming advertising and all the other opportunities for brands are what make you Twitch and YouTube really unique platforms. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, you know, pre-roll is the, there, there's always a balance between scale and customization and effectiveness for an advertiser. Mm-hmm. You know, the more customized it is, the less it scales across games or across leagues. Uh, but that makes it more effective. So there's always this balance. If you're a huge advertiser and you want as many people to see this as possible at the lowest cost, but you also need to make sure if they see it, it resonates. Um, so I think that's why you see things like pre-roll uh, or more traditional advertising that's out there. You know, we, as I mentioned before, we work with a lot of these large corporations and help them adapt to new opportunities. Uh, and there, there's a startup out of uh, Israel uh, called Anzu that we we love. And, and the reason we love it is it's basically putting banner ads into games. Um, and I don't love it because it's the coolest, most unique thing that anyone's ever thought of. But what it does is it allows these advertisers to get in front of the right people and it gets integrated. The ads are integrated into the game. So it's, it's more authentic and it fits the esports vibe. Uh, but it answers that scale question. And I think that's always the, the chicken or the egg in the advertising world is like, how do I get lots of eyeballs at a low cost, but still do it in a way that's awesome. Um, and I think there, there's always going to be friction with that decision. Right. There's no way to capture every single aspect of that, whether you want it to reach, yeah, like something based around, I guess, uh, Team Soda Mid would be an example there of, hey, it's a Dr. Pepper ad, but it's completely focused in on mostly the League of Legends team and this League of Legends ad. So people in the CSGO world probably won't really identify with it. But League of Legends fans absolutely love it. So it's that balance of, hey, do you want to reach one team's audience or can you go broad and reach all gamers, which is pretty difficult. Do When you talk to brands, do they want to try and reach the gaming audience and you have to explain, hey, it's way more fragmented than that? The There is no average gamer per se? Or do you feel like there are strategies that brands can use to really reach most people who play video games? Yeah, I think it, it always depends on the brand. Uh, it has to start with what their DNA is, right? And who they're trying to really reach. Um, and if they do a good job of identifying, and th- this is the same for anybody, right? Like if you're trying to sell something, you have to understand who you're selling it to. 
and then you want to be as one-on-one relevant to that person as you can, but you want to get as many of those people as possible, right? That's the whole advertising sales game. And I think to your point, like the league of legends community is very different than a FIFA community, right? Mm -hmm. Or anybody else. Uh, so the brands that get it and want to reach gamers and make an impact there are going to focus in on the niches and are going to respect the culture around that individual community and create for them. Um, now that community has to be big enough to warrant that brand's time and investment in that community. Uh, so that's, that's the, the play, but yeah, I mean, an ad in a, you know, you know, NBA 2k is, is going to be received differently than what it one If you put the same one in league of legends, right? Uh, so you need to tailor it to that your audience. I think what is really cool about esports is that the people running the leagues and running the games get that and are actually helping the advertisers create uh, versions of their content that makes sense for their community. Yeah, definitely. When you look at developers like Activision Blizzard, for example, and the wide range of games they create, they have Call of Duty, which is this classic shooter popular with young men, and then they have games like Hearthstone, which is a much closer to even split among genders, way popular in a bunch of different areas as well, and popular with different people. Not a lot of people playing Call of Duty are also playing a lot of Hearthstone. And so these developers have this knowledge of their base and which games are played by which people, and brands can really utilize that in figuring out where they want to connect with the gaming audience. It'll be interesting to see if Riot Games can take that in a similar direction as they now go from being a one-game studio into basically a, a bunch of genres, card games, auto-battlers, and now Valorant. So it'll be interesting to see if they have that same moment of, okay, now a bunch more brands can reach our audience, not just ones that want to advertise in League of Legends. Yeah, 100%. And you know what's funny is it always feels like it's everything's brand new. Uh, and, and my company's like tagline is what's next is now. So all we do is we, we live in this sort of future uh, world. But what's interesting is so much of this has already existed. Like if you look at the New York Times, they built up a creative agency within the New York Times to help marketers tailor their ads for the New York Times uh, and make it more relevant to their community. And, and a lot of traditional publishers or TV networks, they all have these like in-house creative studios that are meant to help, you know, the huge Anheuser-Busch's and the Pepsi's and the Nike's of the world think how do they customize for that specific audience. So I think the gaming community already gets that. And because the gamers are so hardcore, <laughs> right? Like they, they sniff out that BS so fast mm -hmm. that it's even more important there. Um, and I think, I think advertisers get that and, and recognize the need to customize, uh, for, for each, each game that's out there and each, each league community. Yeah. You mentioned gamers ability to snuff out bullshit and it's really true. They can be brutal if they don't like an ad and I don't expect you to name and shame any companies, but can you give an example of what a bad ad campaign looks like? Something that doesn't resonate with gamers at all? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime <laughs> the the way I'll do it is by talking about uh, the environment we're in right now. If you watch TV, 
it is very clear which advertisers have changed their advertising for the crisis we're all going through, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, it's a dominoes and it's talking about contactless delivery uh, and being there for your community and feeding your family, right? Whereas the, the spot that was scheduled to go there was some NCAA March Madness spot probably. Yeah. But you do still see some ads that are like a straight car commercial and it just feels totally tone deaf. It makes you dislike that brand. They feel lazy. They feel like they're taking advantage of the situation. You know, like uh, I think that same feeling is what works with esports, right? Like you've got to be, you got to kind of know, you got to know your product makes sense for that community you've got to be talking to them as part of the community. And if not, it just comes off tone deaf and flat. And it's just, uh, it's worse than not putting an ad there. It's 100% true. And while you're not mentioning companies, I'm going to throw out one that has been as particularly irked me as I've been watching TV. And that's indeed a company that is in a perfect position to capitalize, not capitalize, but there's a lot of people out of work right now and a lot of people looking for jobs or looking for work. And the ad they keep running is about a janitor who works at NASA and sends an uh, astronaut to the moon. It's like, everybody matters. We have every job on Indeed, which is a fine ad in normal times. But that's a company that really needs to be positioned and could have an ad that is, hey, here's some options for working from home. Here's some places still hiring you know, reach out to us. We're looking, we want to help you find a job or find some income to get through this time and not keep running the same ad. That's about, you know, a massive workplace with a bunch of people in it, which just feels alien right now. Cause nobody's going to work at all. So you know what's great. Yeah. Very interesting is you're a hundred percent right uh, about that spot. And it's the, the janitor NASA spot. I don't know what they call it, but that's, that's a good way to describe it. What's interesting is they just launched a new spot, which I think they launched yesterday. Oh, did they really? Uh, that is actually completely saying what you're saying. And it's about, <laughs> hey, you may have lost your job, but there are people looking for new jobs. We're here to help. Uh, so what's what's interesting is they corrected, but for you, right, as, as a consumer, you're already turned off by the first miss, right? That, that first two weeks, three weeks, where they missed you and were, were tone deaf. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. Even though they now they've corrected it with something really lovely, it's it's a little slow. Uh, and that's like putting a really bad tone deaf ad in a, in a game and then going back six months into the release of the game and changing it, you're already, you're already dead. The, the gamers have already made fun of you. Your, your, your vibe is ruined. Um, so I think part of this too is like, thinking about something ahead of time and, and moving quickly. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. I hadn't seen their new ad, but it's... It just came out. I just saw it yesterday. Oh, really? Well, I'm, I'm glad that they are changing and they are adapting it because, yeah, I saw that ad and was like, oh, that's does not fit the time whatsoever, especially for a company that's right in the intersection of what's going on right now. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I'm glad they did that, but that just gets to your point. It probably would have been better for them to just pull the ad completely and then once they have this new ad, send that, and it's better to have that be the ad people remember and not 
a bunch of <laughs> I've been binge watching Survivor, so that's why I've I've seen that ad so many times that I'm like, right. that's weird. It's just odd that it it gets there, but it's a tough time for companies, especially for advertising, as you want to make sure you aren't being tone deaf, but also you've spent a lot of money on ad and you really were counting on connecting to these massive audiences. And now you can't do that either. So it's this really weird balance of, okay, it doesn't want to look bad, but also we spent all the money producing this, creating it and buying space for it. And now maybe we shouldn't air it. It's hard to, to get into a company where it's okay. Yeah. I guess we need to pull everything. That's yeah, it's a yeah. really, it's a weird, weird time. I actually think this is an opportunity for esports. Because when you're playing uh, a game, right, you're, you're there to have fun. You're escaping. Uh, you're you're competing. You're, you're hanging with your friends. It's actually like a very positive, happy, competitive, healthy time. And I think there's an opportunity for advertisers to be in there in like a cool way, even right now. Whereas on TV, right, like we're – people are watching the news. They're depressed. Like it's like this very – like. I think within gaming, you can have, you can still be pushing the envelope a little bit and telling your message as long as it's it's cool and it's right for the gaming audience, and it not be quite as sensitive as when you're you're crushing somebody that's watching you know the twelfth survivor in a row and you've now seen the stupid same ad twelve times, <laughs> uh, right? It just feels like they they missed out on what's happening. Whereas esports, I think it's such a positive, healthy, happy environment that you still could maybe tell a more uh, a more fun message uh, than maybe you're able to out uh, on like general TV. It's a good point. Yeah, esports are such an escape right now. You know, Animal Crossing picked the absolute best time to release their game, a lighthearted world that you can get away from and just catch butterflies for a little while. So sounds awesome. Yeah, it's been pretty nice, honestly. I'm just like, this is this is peaceful. I need a little bit of calm in my life. You talk about some of the other ways that esports are being an escape and how esports are coming over to, to TV. And so I want to pivot a little bit and look at these new esports competitions that feature pro athletes. They started sort of with NASCAR and Formula One, where these actual drivers were virtual racing and then last sunday the nba did something very similar with this nba 2k players tournament in fact i think there's a uh the semifinals are tonight recording this on tuesday you will listen to it till wednesday so the semifinals are happening tonight what can brands where's the opportunity in these unique competitions because we've seen some pro-ams some celebrity pro-ams but usually just tacked on to like the fortnite world cup or an apex legends event now they're starting to take into this different world a little bit in central programming. Where's the opportunity for brands? Do you think you can connect with the virtual competitions the same way you might be able to connect with a normal NASCAR or Formula One race? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'd love that you asked this question. Uh, so what's really interesting about athletes playing uh, esports is it's natural. It's just what they do, right? Like I played hoops in college and like we all got together and we played at that time it was called Coach K's basketball or something like that. Right. Really? Like that was the video game. Yeah, we had like fake NCA tournaments and we would play we'd pick our team and play against each other, right? And like I mean, we had a whole tournament map on our wall. Uh, it is 
video games have always been an escape for athletes when they're not playing their actual sport. Uh, and you've seen it even uh, Major League Soccer. I remember going to some of their, uh, their events, their all-star events, and they had their players there playing FIFA. And they were, like, super into it. Uh, and now you're seeing it with the NBA. You're seeing it with NASCAR, MLS, like all these people, right? Because the athletes are actually fans of the game, and here's an opportunity to cross the world of sports with esports, because you have the the marquee stars from your traditional sports league want to go and compete and play and hang out and do cool things, uh, and so this is a way for them to take one of their passions, esports, and cross over, um, right? So if you know Ronaldo all of a sudden is playing FIFA, you're going to get his millions of followers. You're going to tune into that which will increase the FIFA viewership, but also brings in all of his traditional sports fans and sponsors. So I think tapping into this uh, sports icon playing their sport or even other sports is, is like such a smart crossover that can benefit everybody. Um, and there's one startup that we, we really like called Open Sponsorship. Hmm. And their idea was actually tapping into the individual athletes not just the teams or the LeBron Jameses, right? Like the, the level down from that uh, and making them your social influencer for advertising. Man, that comes really interesting right now. If you're a diehard, you know, name the team, right? Let's, let's say New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you want to be associated with Aaron Judge, but like you actually know who the backup shortstop is and like, think that the third baseman is cool too. And so if all of a sudden they're playing a game you're interested in, man, there's something there for a brand to really, I don't want to say replace the traditional sports opportunity, but especially now when the games aren't being played, like that is an outlet to tap into that, uh, you know, passion for the athletes that are part of these teams. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good example the NBA 2K League is actually a really good example of that B-tier star where, yeah, they're great, but they're not, you know, nobody's calling Donovan Mitchell a top five player in the NBA. He's like 20, probably. He's a really good player. Same with Andre Drummond, Trey Young. These are the players in the NBA 2K tournament, and it provides a unique opportunity for them to get a lot of public facing by using gaming to sort of ascend their own personal stardom and get out of, you know, Donovan Mitchell's beloved in Utah. But I don't know if many other fans around the league would call themselves stands of Donovan Mitchell. Well, maybe NBA 2K competitions will help bring his personal brand and elevate it. And we've seen some athletes actually have a lot of success with that. Myers Leonard's one example. Juju Smith-Schuster is a great example in the NFL. And really tying his personal brand, Trevor May, the Minnesota Twins pitcher, uh, all have really built up their own personal brands by connecting with the gaming audience, which is an interesting overlap of the two. Yeah, I love it. And and you're right. Like, uh, it's that the second-tier athlete that – and second-tier is the wrong thing, right? They're just not as well-known. Uh, they're obviously the most ridiculously high-level athletes in the world. Uh, but, like, man, what an opportunity to get a whole new fan base uh, – that all are into something you're already into. You're into gaming, you're playing it. Uh, and now all of a sudden that, that group that watched you play uh, in the tournament 
they're going to now follow your career. They're going to see you play when the NBA comes back. Uh, so there's a huge crossover here where it's sort of good for everybody involved. Um, and I think it's a real opportunity uh, today, especially because it's an opportunity for those athletes uh, to shine and maybe break out of the shadows. Yeah, absolutely. And then for brand perspective as well, suddenly partnering with that athlete allows you to capture not just the Minnesota Twins audience, but also the Fortnite audience, which is an interesting overlap for sure. And so I feel like they open themselves up to more brand opportunities. From a brand perspective, are you keeping sort of like a database of some of these people who are building up online followings? Devin Booker, another example, Uh, especially a lot of the younger athletes Do you think that brands have an interesting opportunity in partnering with these athletes and connecting with a lot of different audiences because they're multifaceted athletes? Yeah, 100%. And I I mentioned this company, Open Sponsorship, only because this is exactly what they do. Uh, I have no affiliation with them, but uh, they they actually help keep track of all the athletes and ways for brands to to sponsor them and, and tie into these things. So they're keeping tabs on uh, every athlete and look at it by market by market. Uh, so that's there. And, you know, I think, you know, what we, we do for, for these brands is we help them with their overall strategy when they're like, Hey, what do we do? We spend a hundred million dollars on the NBA and it's gone. We kind of come in and say, Hey, there's a couple different avenues, uh, that you should be looking at. There's this open sponsorship opportunity. There's this new esports league. You should be looking at, you know, X, Y, Z, new video conferencing. Um, So we'll help them think through the strategy as well as give them the companies to partner with. Uh, We're not tracking it directly, but we're tracking the companies that are tracking it, if that makes sense. Tracking the tracking companies, I see. There you go. That's my new tagline. (laughs) I love it. Very meta. (laughs) So I want to wrap up here. I know you're a busy man. You got things to do. Last question though I want to talk about is, do you think, you know, as we we're in the midst of COVID-19 and it's stretching out in front of us, obviously the uncertainty makes it really tough to do things. But once this finally passes, do you think we'll look back on this period as a time when the esports and gaming worlds finally really connected with the sports world? There's been plenty of overlap in the past, but it feels like there's a lot more happening these days. You think we look back on this a year, two years from now, and are like, yeah, that's when the two worlds really collided. Yeah, I think, you know, again, you don't want to say take advantage of or opportunistic, sure. right. right? But I think that every sports league is right now thinking through what happens if we have to play our games in empty stadiums. All the time, some of the time, every once in a while, we only can sell half the seats, right? So they're thinking through all these, you know, potentially poor outcomes. Uh, but they also can't just, you know, cry. They have to come up with solutions. And I think they're, while traditional sports has embraced these sports already, you see a lot of owners that have crossed over uh, between traditional and esports, right? Um, I think that, and a lot of teams too. I think that they're recognizing, hey, this is a way for us to build our fan base, to continue to engage our fan base, even if the traditional ways they consume our games are disrupted in the future. Um, So I think it's a huge opportunity uh, for the two worlds to get more intertwined. 
Um, and I, I think I think esports is going to continue to grow uh, aggressively, and and so hopefully that those two worlds can align um, and and both grow. Uh, and it just kind of depends how things shake out. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be again. Yeah, we're not focusing on the business impacts, but it is still quite relevant. And you sought out this esports podcast, so there's plenty of people who have better medical advice and can talk about the human impact. We're looking yeah. at brands, and we're looking at esports and sports brands, uh, and that's what our audience is interested in. So, thank you for joining the show. I appreciate you coming on and talking about what Venture Fuel is doing. Please, can you plug? what people need to learn about venture fuel. So if uh, any of our listeners are attached to brands, they're in the sports world, they just want to learn more about your company. What do you have going on? Yeah, go to venturefuel.net. That's our website. We've got all sorts of things on there that'll give you a background on how we can help uh, kind of prepare for the future. And uh, we also launched the Venture to Watch uh, podcast, uh, which you can find on Spotify and Apple and everywhere else. but it's pretty cool. We showcase one uh, new startup every week uh, that helps things through some of these uh, these future opportunities uh, and gives brands sort of an advanced look at uh, some people they can partner with. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. You'll find the links to VentureFuel.net and that podcast down underneath this podcast in the description. So check those out as well after you listen to the Esports Network podcast, of course. Thank you so much for joining the show, Fred. This is being published on Wednesday. I've got another show for you all coming on Friday. So be tuned for that one and stay safe out there. Remember to wash your hands, practice self-quarantining and continue listening to podcasts.